Midtown West, we had an issue recording our sermon this week, and so this is our introduction to the Song of Solomon. This is me just kind of conversationally um, giving you this past week's sermon. So um, here we go. So uh, I asked our folks, what, what do you think the greatest song of all time is? Uh, you can think about that. And then I asked, um, what, what makes a song great? You know, the music, the lyrics, the message, the timeliness. And um, over the last week, since we we're talking about the Song of Songs, I looked up Rolling Stone's top 500 songs of all time. And they had done this back in 2004, and they've redone it now in two, 2021. And uh, some things have changed that have reflected the changes in our culture. Um, and the number one song of all time, uh, according to Rolling Stone, is Respect by Aretha Franklin. And uh, I didn't know this. Actually, it's an Otis Redding song originally. Um, but when they asked, they interviewed Aretha and her producer about the song and, and how important it was. I don't know when the interview uh, happened, but they talked about it being an anthem for honor and dignity, something that everybody can relate to. And Aretha said specifically, it's about what we all want. And uh, if you're not familiar with the song or you haven't really paid attention to the lyrics, um, it's essentially saying, hey, I'm giving you my money. We're in this romantic relationship. Um, I'm working, providing for you. You owe me some respect uh, in some various manifestations when I get home. And if you don't give me my propers, then uh, I might leave you. And so uh, that's... You know, the more I thought about it, uh, this was just going to be a little anecdote at the top of the sermon. But uh, the more I thought about it, I was like, no, this, I think, is more intertwined with what we're talking about than than I originally thought. Because this is the culture we're living in. Um, the culture we're living in is all groups, all peoples are being taught uh, and parroting and, and screaming. Some is, you know, more valid than others. But everybody is saying, give me respect, give me my propers. Um, everyone is asserting their rights. And uh, we want to ask why. We want to be uh, students of culture because we're influenced deeply by culture in ways that we're not even aware of. So um, why is everybody asking for their rights? And is this the best? Is this what everybody wants, like Aretha says? And um, I would say, and scripture would say, no, it's not the best. It's not the highest. It's not what we all want. Um, it's just that we're all scared and we're all scarred. And so we're settling. Um, and, and that's why we're doing the series that we're doing this summer. We're calling it the Summer of Love. It's a study of the Song of Solomon. Um, and the Song of Solomon is also called the Song of Songs. And we are desperate to hear this song. We're desperate to have it sung over us. And we're desperate to sing it back to the one who sings it over us. Uh, but we have problems. We have, um, we have issues where we have a hard time singing along. We have a hard time hearing it. Um, but, but to know this song and to sing it and to know that it's being sung over us is absolutely integral and essential to our life and to our vision. The very thing that God calls us to, uh, the way that we uh, take, take the purpose that Jesus has given us uh, and apply it in our context at Midtown West is through our vision statement, which is um, on adventure with Jesus to be set free, set others free and enjoy that freedom together. And so to be with Jesus and being set free, um, to be able to, to know and, and have and sing and, and have this song sung over us is essential. Um, and so what we're talking about is, is really what we all want. It's not respect. Respect is not what we all want uh, in the deepest places. The, 
uh, what the scriptures tell us, what Proverbs 19.22 tells us is this. What is desired in a man, what is, what is most desired by a person is unfailing love. And so, um, so here we go. We're going to get into it. And so this week, our, our text is just the first verse of this book. And, it, and the first verse is this, the song of songs, which is Solomon's. So we're going to break that down. First, this phrase, the song of songs. So Rolling Stone has said, respect is the song of songs, according to them. It is the, the highest of high, the best of the best song that there is. Um, and this, the Song of Solomon, is a song, or uh, maybe more properly, it's an intricately connected and progressive collection of songs. Think about like stanzas in a, uh, a large poem. Um, it's, it's about a nobody peasant girl. Um, she is the primary speaker who is taken with King Solomon and like, uh, like every other woman is. But here's the thing. King Solomon is also taken with her as well. So it's a song of their covenant love that grows from first desires to courtship to marriage into old age. And uh, this is not a historical song. This is uh, a song. This is not telling the story of, of King Solomon's actual romance. Um, it's not untrue in what it's talking about, but it's not a historical narrative. And, and so we want to ask why. Why is it in, in Scripture uh, and the answer is because this is a song primarily about God, the King of Kings. Uh, so this is a song of songs about the King of Kings. Solomon was the king at the time uh, and the King of Kings love for his people. So this song must be able to be sung by you and by me because it's applicable to everyone who belongs to Jesus. Um, and there are many interpretations of the song. If you pick up any commentaries on the Song of Songs, uh, you're going to find just as many interpretations. Um, and a lot of interpretations out there, uh, there was a, a time, and maybe still is a time, I don't know, uh, when the Song of Songs was primarily interpreted as uh, applying only to uh, covenant love between a man and a woman in marriage. It was sort of thought of as like a marriage handbook. And, and I would just say, um, while, yes, we can learn about marriage from this song, this is not the primary focus of this book of Scripture. Um, just put on your thinking caps for a few seconds and think about this. If this is called the ultimate song of all time, uh, it has to be about union between God and his people in Christ. Um, so uh, around 100 AD, so right after the life of, shortly after the life of Jesus, a Jewish rabbi said of this Scripture, he, he understood this. Um, and he said of this scripture, all the ages are not worth the day on which the Song of Songs was given to Israel. For all the writings, all scripture, are holy, but the Song of Songs is the Holy of Holies. And if you, if you don't know or you don't remember, uh, the Holy of Holies was God's very presence. It was the place before, before um, the Holy Spirit was set loose to live in all of our hearts and we became the temples of the living God. Um, before Jesus um, made that possible, the Holy of Holies was the place on earth where God dwelt with man uh, and they had communion. And so this rabbi is saying this song, more than anything, is about intimacy and union between God and his people. This song was sung, uh, actually it was read aloud at the end of every Passover celebration. So again, if you don't remember uh, or you don't know, Passover was a Jewish celebration um, that celebrated what God did in um, freeing his people from Egyptian slavery, where blood was shed 
to protect his people from his judgment. And so, of course, that was pointing forward to the bloodshed by Jesus so that um, he could make possible this intimate union for uh, all eternity between God and his people. No distance, no separation, unending, unfailing, steadfast love, what we all want. And so we serve a God above all else who is a lover. He is many things, but more than anything, he is a lover. First John 4, 7 through 10 talks about his love uh, and, and this love manifested in what Jesus has done as the actual Passover lamb sacrifice for us. It says, beloved, again, we're loved by God, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. Whoever loves God uh, or excuse me, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love in this. The love of God was made manifest. It was made clear among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent Jesus, his son, to be a sacrifice for our sins. So he, um, God also throughout scripture talks about his people as his wife. He invented marriage to serve as a living picture of Jesus and his people. Um, Isaiah 62, 5 says, as a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. God is saying, I want you to think of me as your husband. And when you see a marriage and you see the beautiful, healthy, good things, redeemable things in human marriage, that is, is pointing to me. It's pointing to the love that I share with you and the union that we have together. And so I want to just stop here and say something very important. This song is for all of us. It is for single people. It is for married people. It is for single people who, who know or to the best of their knowledge believe that they will be single for the rest of their life. Uh, who've been called by God to live celibate lives. It is for single people who desperately want to be married but are not yet and don't know if they're going to be single for the rest of their lives. And it is for married people. <laughs> and it is for divorced people and it is for everyone. Um, this song is for all of us because we are all married to Jesus. And this is what this song, this book, this scripture is ultimately about. And Jesus, our groom, accesses us in different ways depending on whether we're married or we're single. One is not better than the other. You know, when I was single, um, I wanted to be married. Um, and the things that I was longing for in marriage, when I look for those things primarily in my wife, um, that's what actually makes marriage not work. And for those of us out there, um, anybody who is married and thinks daydreams about being single again and thinks maybe I married the wrong person, uh, the things that you're looking for in singleness um, are, are not going to satisfy you because all of those things are just pointing to Jesus. So think about the way scripture talks about singleness and marriage. Um, first, God is clear that marriage is designed by him to be a gift to humanity. Proverbs 18.22 says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Uh, but then we also have Paul, the apostle who was single. And he says in his letter to the Corinthians, um, I wish everybody was single like I am because I actually think it's better. And then, of course, we have Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who, who was single um, his whole life and, and was completely satisfied in his love relationship with his father. And when he taught about marriage, um, his disciples said, wow, when I understand marriage correctly, it's so hard. I don't think anyone would want to be married. And Jesus said, yeah, 
Exactly. And so uh, some people are prepared for singleness and some people are being prepared by God for marriage. Both are hard. Both are not ultimately fulfilling in themselves because they both point to me. Um, And so this is the Song of Songs. What it's about is for all of us. And then our our second half of the verse just tells us who it's it's by. It says, this is the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. And so who wrote this song about covenant love? King Solomon, the son of David. The Lord loved him so much, naming him beloved of the Lord, Jedidiah. Um, I told the congregation on Sunday, uh, because of this, uh, I thought about naming one of our sons Jedidiah. But then I thought since I was a pastor, to have a son named Jedidiah just felt a little much. So anyway, God gifted Solomon with wisdom and understanding beyond measure. He's the wisest man to ever live until Jesus walked the earth. He wrote over a thousand songs. uh, But here's something interesting. Uh, as it pertains to our conversation here. He also had sexual relations with about a thousand women. And we're told that ultimately he was led astray. Uh, Not ultimately, I I believe that he is with Jesus, but um, he was eventually led astray by all of his marriages to women who worshiped other gods. And so we want to just stop and say, okay, who, who is this man to write this song? Uh, And more accurately, who is this man that God would choose as a vessel to write this song to us? Uh, God being the author, um, Solomon being the vessel. Uh, and, and really the answer is he's, he's actually the perfect man to write this song because he knows what does and does not satisfy. Um, and I actually believe that in terms of when he wrote this in his life, I believe that he came back and wrote this song in a uh, time of repentance and sobriety when he was older. Um, and this should give us all hope. <laughs> the fact that, that King Solomon wrote this song Um, because no one is disqualified from singing this song and no one is disqualified in Christ from having this song sung over us. And, um, and so the reason, one of the main reasons we're doing this introduction sermon, instead of just jumping into more of the text, uh, this first week is we need to be able to hear the song of songs, uh, because whether we know it or not, fear and pain have kept us settling for respect. We've built these little systems and rhythms in our lives and ways of relating to people uh, where we are just settling. Uh, we're, we're drawing away from people. We're not being vulnerable. We're not talking about our real desires. Um, we're just settling for what feels safe and what we can control. Right? Uh, we are hopeless and cynical. And in our hopelessness or our unbelief, we turn to lesser loves, lesser pursuits. And so this King Solomon who wrote Proverbs, uh, and he also wrote this Song of Songs, he, he wrote a third book of scripture called Ecclesiastes. And um, so the Song of Songs is the ultimate of all songs, and Ecclesiastes was all about what he called the vanity of vanities. So what does that mean? It means that the vanity of vanities is the most absolutely empty pursuit of emptiness you could think of, pointlessness. And so in all of his wandering, trying to find life apart from covenant love with God, trying to find satisfaction, ultimate satisfaction in any other thing, King Solomon pursued the following things. And I want you to listen to this list and listen with ears uh, of, of when and how you have pursued these things to be your ultimate satisfaction. Learning, power, wealth, Sex, pleasure, uh, in a sense, separating sex from covenant love, achievement or accomplishment, even doing the right thing, living wisely, 
um, and work, building something lasting, all of these things um, as an end and of themselves, nothing is enough, nothing satisfies, nothing lasts. These pursuits are ultimate, as ultimate ends, are the result of pain and fear, and pursuing them as ultimate ends results in more pain and fear. So what is the conclusion reached by Solomon in Ecclesiastes? It's that nothing compares, nothing, to growing intimacy and covenant love, yes, between a man and woman in marriage, but ultimately between Jesus and his people in marriage. And so um, as we end here uh, and set the table for what's to come this summer, I invited our people and we took some time in the worship service uh, to just pause and reflect and, and ask Jesus uh, would you just speak to me? Speak to me about where I am pursuing ultimate satisfaction apart from you. Where am, I, where am I experiencing fear? Where am I experiencing pain? And would you bring healing to that? And then spend some time just asking him, would you teach me how to be open to you, to be loved by you? Would you lead me? Would you, uh, would you draw me? Would you lead me? Would you open me? Would you heal me so that I can experience you in deeper, more intimate ways. And uh, I'm so excited to be on this journey with you all. I have no idea where it's going. I just know that the Lord is calling us to this uh, this summer, and it is a a great adventure. And our, our great adventure following Jesus together continues. I love you. Thanks.